Welcome to the first episode of Cage Fighting, answering the big questions in film. My name's Andrew Gillard. I am a film nerd. I did film studies at university. In 2018, I watched 408 new films. Well, they were new to me anyway. I still have my list of films from that year. That is how much of a film nerd I am. I list the films I watch. Already this year, I'm on 102. I used to do some film reviews for a friend's online magazine. You should check it out. It's called This Is Soundcheck. I don't know if the reviews are still on there, but it's a really good magazine. And have a look at that, see what you think. Before I even, even introduce myself, how is this possible? How can you possibly watch that many films, even this year, alone? I'm a single man. I live alone. I need something <laughs> to do. So, yeah, films constantly. Yeah, so I'm Stu Hall. I went to uni for a bit and did media comms, um, but we did a bit of film as well. And as with everyone else, I love films, um, not as much as Andy does, clearly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, everything from proper things like Schindler's List and things like that to the incredible silliness of Transformers, Dark of the Moon. Um, <laughs> there's a wide, wide spectrum of what's acceptable for me, so this kind of, this podcast suits me down to the ground. Hi, I'm Matt Guy, 31. Uh, I like film long walks in the park, and I'm looking to meet a woman. That's, <laughs> oh, sorry, it's the wrong recording. I'm on. Uh, <laughs> I pretty much wanted to do this podcast to justify my film studies degree, to be honest, uh, and, <laughs> and hope I can have some value out of it. But I'm I'm really looking forward to working um, with the team and making sure that we can dissect the big the big questions in film and uh, hopefully entertain you guys. The three of us, we met doing another podcast, which is called the Wolves Fancast. It's a football-based podcast. Uh, as part of that, we also do something called the Football Filmcast, where we reviewed some football films. They're well worth checking out if you've got time. Um, but from that, we decided we'd try and move on and do something alongside it, which is where we came to here. Uh, the aim of this podcast is to answer every question that you may have ever thought about film. If you've ever wondered what the best film of the 80s was, which member of the X-Men might be the best ballroom dancer, or what the best snack in a cinema is, stick around, we'll give you the answers. Which The answers to those are actually Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Mystique, and nothing. It should be silent in the cinema. <laughs> I don't know how to tell you this enough. There is no noise in the cinema. Not babies either. Not babies either. Uh, the format, what we're going to be doing is we're going to alternate each week. One week we're going to have the question cast. The following week we're going to be doing a deeper dive onto one specific question, which has haunted film fans for many years. Nicolas Cage, good or bad? A challenge, certainly, but not insolvable, because all actors have distinct values, which I use to find answers. Abed, how much Nicolas Cage did you... Enough! Watch? That was a clip from Community. Those of you who have seen the show, you will know that Abed was driven to the brink of insanity trying to answer one simple question. This is the question that myself and the lads that we're going to try and answer. It's going to be arduous, but we'll get there. That question, <laughs> of course, is Nicolas Cage, good or bad? Next week will be the first picture pod. What we'll be doing there is we'll be looking at 2004's National Treasure and 2007's National Treasure Book of Secrets. But that's next week. This week, it's the question cast. We're here to answer some questions. The first question, as always, what have you been watching this week? Matthew, what's been on your TV this week? We had, uh, it's been a bit of a Netflix binge this week, to be fair. Um, watched The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan uh, episodical, which I really, really, really enjoyed. What I enjoyed about that was the fact that it describes to you what 
a serial winner, what it takes to be a serial winner in that sport and in life, and the fact that you almost can't be liked and be a serial winner at the same time and have that kind of attitude. I've also been watching the second series of Dead to Me. Um, started that, which I don't know if you've caught the first series. Um, won't go too much into it, but it's a story of uh, two... I'm going to make it sound like a buddy cop film and it's really anything, but um, two unlikely uh, women, both dealing with different um, areas of grief, how they come together um, and kind of deal with their problems. But there's a very seedy underbelly to it. Um, And it's funny. It's touching. It's shocking. There's murder. There's sex. It's kind of like Desperate Housewives. I I used to really like that back in the day. Um, I think you'll enjoy it. So I suggest you give that a go. Superb. That's that's one of them that's been on my list for ages. As soon as it came up, and I thought, "Am I actually ever going to watch this?" But you've just made you've just pitched it perfectly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really entertaining. We're in the second series now. It's very easy, watchable, kind of half an hour or so episode. So easy chunks to watch it in. Nothing that's going to make you stop and uh, you know have to have a lie down or anything. But it's it's entertaining um, and it's a good um, strong performance by two you know strong female leads. Sounds excellent. I think what I've been watching this week, I watched a film called Ninja 3, The Domination. It's a a film from 1984, and it starts with just the most batshit insane thing. These ninjas just descend on a golf course and start throwing shurikens at people. And like you, you just look at the actual camera work of it, and you'll see the man throwing the shuriken. And then the camera just snaps around and it's actually already in the person. So it's just the worst looking thing I've ever seen. But it was hilarious. And it wasn't supposed to be, but it just, it was great. The other thing that I've watched this week, um, everybody hates Chris. I'm a big fan of Chris Rock anyway. So I thought I'll um, finally get around to finishing that off. I saw the first two seasons when they were first out. So I, I needed an excuse to try and uh, finish it off. And it's got Terry Crews in and I will watch anything with Terry Crews in. He's just incredible. Just love that dude. He's brought grace. I mean, even in the Expendables, which is not a brilliant film, but he steals every scene he's in. He's in um, that Xbox game as well. He the third is it? Oh, I can never remember the name of it. It's the um, the one where it's it's open world, but it's crackdown. Yes, yes, crackdown yes, yes, yeah. That's the one. I've never been in PlayStation I've put, person. I've never put two and two together. Um, crackdown. I used to love the first Crackdown game. Next yeah, he, he was in the promotion for all the third one. I don't know if he, he was probably oh, one in the okay. first two, but the third one he definitely was because even the trailers was just him. It was him as him mm. playing himself. The Ninja film, Andy, is that yeah. on the same basis when you talk about kind of comedy as Kung Fu Hustle? I don't know if you've um, ever come across Kung Fu Hustle, where it's it's very, um, I had to describe it, kind of quirky comedy, but then actual excellent fight scenes in it as well. No. <laughs> it's no. not on that level at all. <laughs> oh, okay. it's, it's supposed to be a serious film, mm-hmm. uh, but it is so badly made that it's yes. just hilarious. It, yes. uh, I actually watched it for a, another podcast that I listened to called uh, How Did This Get Made, where they look at the worst films that have ever been made. Mm-hmm. So uh, also I would strongly recommend that podcast to anyone. It's, it's a good one for, for lovers of film and especially lovers of bad film. <laughs> which we will get on to shortly. Stu, what have you been watching this week? Um, TV-wise, I've been, like, well, from the start of lockdown, when I got snapped by the bug um, and I wanted someone some, to pick me up with it, um, you lot all said, watch Curb, finally watch Curb. So I got round to it and now I'm on season five. 
and uh, I don't know why for any reason whatsoever. I've never watched it before. It's just incredible. It's um, one of the greatest sitcoms ever written. It's just fantastic. Or not written in that or case. Or not written, yeah. But it's, it's just the, the amount of people that from every show you just don't know who's going to turn up next. And yeah. there's people since who are, I still don't know who Richard, the Richard guy is. Still never seen him in anything else. Um, I watched that and then I've been watching um, American Horror Story finish season one of that and that's again if you like that kind of thing it's well it's saying that kind of thing it's a bit of an amalgamation of everything it's a bit of there's a bit of camp in there there's a bit of a slight bit of horror and, and there was times in it where i had chills there must point yeah i've only seen the first eight episodes i think of season one so don't spoil it but yeah some of the, the moments in it they're proper get to you some are just downright hilarious but some of them you'd think <laughs> Christ, that is actually really quite tense. I'm very impressed with that show. But then I quite like everything that Ryan Murphy has done, to be honest. Yeah, he's obviously Glee's going to be mentioned quite a lot in this. Matt, you need to get on, you need to get on Glee. There's no excuse Glee. anymore. Yeah. Um, Unashamedly only... love Glee. <laughs> <laughs> it is excellently written as well, for however silly it is. There is some proper serious subjects in it. Um, well, Glee, not a very good horror story. <laughs> But no, I watched a film um, the other night that I saw it come up, but it popped up on Netflix and I thought, that just sounds so bad that I have to do it to myself. It's called <laughs> Chez de Chezigny Jean Piège d'In. <laughs> can I do that again? AKA 365 Days. It's a Polish, it's a Polish um, Fifty Shades of Grey. Nice. <laughs> Well, I, I think I ordered that on Simply Cook the other day. Where were you first? <laughs> it's um, I saw an article about it, just saying the new cult hit of Netflix, and I thought, oh no. But and then I saw the trailer. I thought it just looks so awful. I mean, the, the the premise of it is the woman, the woman's Polish, and the guy's an, a mafia from a mafia family, so he's Italian. The only language they can speak together is English. But with and he has he kidnaps her, and she has 365 days to fall in love with him, or he'll just release her back. And the scenes in there that make Fifty Shades of Grey look like Tom and Jerry, it's um, it's very very borderline for what's acceptable in a, <laughs> in a mainstream film. Was yeah, it's I'm a... actually dumbfounded at the sound of this film. It's um, it, it, it sounds it, interesting. It's got a three point eight on IMDb, of course. Uh, it's very oh, much within my wheelhouse, then. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, there we go. <laughs> there you go. Ma- Massimo, of course. Massimo is a member of the Sicilian mafia family, and Laura is a sales director. That's all you need to know. <laughs> there we so, go. Yeah, it's that very is high good. concept as they come. Yeah. Superb. Right. So let's move on to the second question this week, which I believe Matthew, that is yours. Yep, I would like to know, guys, what is your film Guilty Pleasure, please? Uh, let's go with you. Uh, why not? Well, it's a, it's a film that stars, well, I say stars. There's certain people in this film that you think, oh, what could this possibly be? So in this film feature Isaac Hayes, Buzz Aldrin, Nikki Lauda, Jennifer Rush, Sherry Belafonte, Simon Shepard and Roger Moore. <laughs> And it is, of course, made in 1990, called Fire, Ice and Dynamite. 
and just does the, the astounded look on your face. Yeah, <laughs> this is a film that no one's ever heard of. It's Simon Shepherd from Peak Practice, the uh, hit '90s uh, ITV drama. He's pr- pretty much the star. Roger Moore is in it quite a bit. It's basically wacky races, but live action. Live action. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. And if you can find a, a widescreen version, great. But every every time I've had it, it's in four three. It's and it was made in nineteen ninety. It's what was it called again? Fire what? Fire ice and dynamite. Okay, right. <laughs> and it's I can't even remember. I think we me and MMA Goldie. Um, we, we we I think we found it in the game bargain bucket in game. It was just in there. It was the only film in there. And I thought, why on earth is this? This in with, oh, it's got Roger Moore in. It's got to be good. And again, IMDb, four point oh, eight hundred and ninety nine reviews. Wow. I mean, that's higher than some modern day blockbusters. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So by uh, Willie Bogner, who whoever that is. Is it, um, is it kind of like that? You remember the film Rat Race? It's ve- a kind of similar similar concept to that, is it? Very similar to Rat Race. Um, yeah. I like but that Ra- as well. Rat Race was based on something else as well. Well, there's, mm-hmm. there's yep. original one there. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, this is the billionaire, the billionaire dies and whoever win he sets up this thing to whoever wins the race wins his money. Mm. That's okay, yeah. that's the, the premise of it all. And it's it's probably the film that no one's ever heard of. No one should like it. It's probably not great, but every it's almost like every Christmas I watch it because it's got snow in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not a Christmas film. It's not a Thanksgiving film. It's just, it's wintry, and you thought, oh, it gets you in the mood for Christmas. And the incredible levels of high camp in this one. Incredible levels. Um, but if you can find it, give it, a ch- give it a check. But it's one of them where you won't forget it once you've seen it. That's guaranteed. <laughs> Well, that, that one's made it onto my list already. <laughs> Andy, what about yourself, mate? What's your uh, guilty pleasure film-wise? Well, I was thinking about this because I, I don't have any shame when it comes to films. I like <laughs> stuff that's great, stuff that's terrible and, and everything in between. But I was thinking about actors that are associated with shit, for want of a better word. <laughs> I thought, well, you know what? I quite like Statham. I'm a big fan of Jason Statham. He does a lot of very lowbrow. I love the crank films. <laughs> They're just great fun. I thought, you know, actually, big fan of The Rock's early stuff, The Scorpion King, which gets shat on constantly. But I enjoyed that. And then also I thought, throwing Vin Diesel, who's another guy who does terrible things, but I really enjoyed Bloodshot. But those three guys, you've got the Fast and Furious. <laughs> Who's oh, right there? Knew this so, was coming. Yeah, that, that's... <laughs> That is my guilty pleasure. That is just, apart from the second one, which might be the worst film I've ever seen, and not even in a so bad it's good way, just terrible, terrible movie. But yeah, the rest are great fun. Once you get to probably about the fifth one, and it stops just being about racing, you know, quarter of a mile down the road, and they become action films. They're brilliant, but you do realise once you get to that point and they're, doing a heist in Brazil in a country they've never ever been to but they've hacked into the system and they're changing all of the, the the road traffic lights so they can get away but then you remember that two films ago they were selling TV DVD combos out the back of his truck <laughs> the hell, the hell have we got to this point it is bananas but I, I love Fast and Furious the other film we wanted to give a, a mention to it's a film called Sleepaway Camp don't know if you've ever seen that one no nope, no nope. 
this was going to be my obscure one. This was going to be my fire, ice and dynamite. Um, so it's set. It's a, an 80s film, horror film, where it's set at this place called Sleepaway Camp. So it's not a very, uh, very original title. But you find out that, uh, sorry, so these kids start dying. They keep getting murdered. And you find out that who kills them. And it's the most ridiculous twist I have ever seen to any film. It's up there with the worst of M. Night Shyamalan's twists. <laughs> all you know about the killer all the way through is that it's got um, male chromosomes in the, the blood trace. I don't know how they figured that out. <laughs> they're on a fucking camp. There's no way they're going to have been able to do DNA <laughs> tests to figure this out. But that's all you know about the killer all the way through, and then you find out who the killer is at the end, and it's it's incredible. I thoroughly recommend it. I've not seen any of the sequels, so I can't speak to them, but... Uh, the first sleepaway camp is well worth your 90 minutes. How about yourself, Matt? What, what are you guilty well, of? I want to preface this with uh, we're in an enlightened time now. And, and, and for all the right reasons, we're questioning things that we may have previously thought were acceptable or <laughs> um, that were, we're having a deeper think into things. So one question that I know is coming later has had a dramatic change and Anybody that's heard me on the fan cast will know my favourite film of all time was Forrest Gump, which I'm now <laughs> moving into a guilty pleasure. And the reason for that is I think I, I, look, I look back on Forrest Gump and, and, and when I watch it, um, it, I still, it still entertains me. I still find it like, like quite a sweet tale when I don't look at it uh, too, too much of a deep dive. And I, and I think to myself, it's funny. And I look at it as exactly what that. But then when you do a deeper dive into it, there are themes that are massively outdated in it now. Uh, there are questionable elements to it that are starting to make me feel a little uncomfortable the more and more I think about it. Um, but it is a guilty pleasure in the fact that I still find entertainment in it. And I still think, and me and Andy will hammer this point out a lot, that I really rate Tom Hanks in the film. Um, but it's a guilty pleasure in that I know there are some elements to it that are now outdated and probably wouldn't be as acceptable nowadays but I, I do get a kick out of it and i do enjoy the film but uh we're going to use this podcast as a cleansing for me to grow so uh, <laughs> that's why that that's why that film has been moved into that category uh on this occasion i think with, with things like that though i think we, we just i wouldn't say it's a guilty pleasure it's just you enjoyed the film when you watch if you watch the film now with the way things are and it was you liked it now then you got to think well okay but you liked it in a more innocent time. Yeah, so no, I understand. I, I'd take it like that. I, uh, that film, I know people who absolutely despise that film and they can't can't stand it whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're talking to one of them. Yeah. And, um, how it won that many, who knows, but it's fine. It's fine, but it's, um, I wouldn't worry too much about its issues. It's just aged quite badly. I think, yeah, I think we as society, society have moved on for the better in some respects and it's sort of shown up it's highlighted the issues around that film i think but yeah I, I i'm not sure i'd say it would be a guilty pleasure but i sort of get where you're coming from with that one Matt. yeah 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 mm. so on to question three which is Stuart. yes for, for me it was when i said it was the easy one and you only kind of shrugged and said how is that easy um I went for favourite film of all time. It doesn't have to be the best. It doesn't have to be the one that you think, okay, 
this is the academic choice and all this. It's just your favourite film of all time. So film that you get more enjoyment out of more than anything else, more than one that you watch more than anything else. So take it away, Matt. So I've gone for, and this won't help anybody watching uh, or listening to this podcast because uh, I've got the T-shirt on as we speak, but it is. this is Spinal Tap. Uh, the mockumentary based on legendary British rock band Spinal Tap and their um, fledgling tail end of their career, basically. Um, one really, really, really excellent performance from Harry Shearer really makes the film. Um, and it's how the film represents rock music and some of the pitfalls of the industry that they're in and how fickle the fans can be and how fickle fame can be on some people and how wives get involved and just the calamity of the whole thing is just hilarious the the soundtrack which was um written uh, with the cast um is excellent and there's a lot of canon that comes off the back of the film as well like albums released way past the film um being released i mean they appeared at the was it the g7 Live eight, um, live eight yeah. um, coincide uh, event, and it's just a really excellent, funny film that acts serious, but is a real hoot to watch. Um, there's a really, if you do have it and you haven't actually taken the time to look at it, look at the cast commentary because it's all in character, um, and they're yeah. watching it in character, and it's it's a whole other film, but it's excellent. It's so funny, and it's one of those where. You go back and watch it instantly knowing that within seconds of watching that film, you're taken away from whatever's going on around you and you're just going to watch something that just puts a smile on your face. And especially being into um, rock music and heavy metal and seeing some of the tropes of, of bands like Iron Maiden and and like maybe a little uh, later on into like Bon Jovi hair metal and everything like that. But they go through a lot of the elements of um, music, like from the Beatles right the way through to hair metal. Um, it's just a really, really fun and entertaining watch. And I think it's probably escaped a lot of people now. I don't think, if you haven't seen it by now, you probably won't see it because I don't think it's put out there that it's very cult at the moment, but it's one of my favourite films. I think everybody should take the time to watch it. I'd echo those sentiments. I think Spinal Tap is excellent. I remember a few years ago, it always used to be on Comedy Central. I think every Friday night they would put it on. And it's a film that I've watched dozens of times. And every time... One of my favourite bits in it is watching to see when the cast break character. When you'll see, like, they're just about to lose it because they've said something so ridiculously funny. And you just see them just rain it back in at the last minute. And it's just wonderfully done. The one bit that always kills me is, is it Phil Tufnell? No, not Phil Mm. Tufnell. Um, (laughs) He's a a, a darts player or a snooker player? Cricketer. 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 Something Tufnell, isn't it, who is? Nigel. Nigel Tufnell, that's Mike McKean's character. I'm terrible with names. We will, you'll get to learn this. Mike McKean's character, when he's talking about the little bread and he's folding the little bread and it keeps yes. breaking, yep. and every time you see him just about to lose it and it kills me. But I, I, I do, I love that film. There's a lot of um, a lot of other things that has influenced, you know, other areas of media as well. Whether that be Guitar Hero has a, a little segment where uh, where you're playing a song, a drummer will turn into um, a globule on the seat when you finish one of the songs. Uh, Chris Jericho's little bit of the bubbly was inspired by Spinal Tap um, and the meltdown backstage um, when before the, the, the scene that you mentioned. It's got a really far reach. I just don't think people 
maybe realise it. And when they watch it, they'll be might be pleasantly surprised some of the things that they'll actually pick up that have influenced other areas of media. You look at stuff. Oh, sorry, Stu, carry on. I would say uh, on that, I'd be amazed if there's anyone under thirty who's ever seen it. Just mm. no, for that, yeah, it's probably fair. For that reason, I, mean, I, I know when I was, when I watched um, Rock of Ages, mm-hmm. the um, the film based on the musical that I mentioned, I mentioned it to a few people. I said, "Have you ever seen Spinal Tap?" As well, I went, no, not at all. <laughs> Never even heard of it. Some people, so it it's very much a generational thing, like you said. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I haven't. I've watched it a couple of times, maybe. I'm not nowhere near as much as you two, but. That one, that one about the commentary, I don't know about that. So that's one I'm definitely putting on the list. Yeah, yeah it's, it's excellent. That. Really excellent. But going to it, how reaching it was, if you then look at stuff like The Office and those mockumentary shows, a lot of those credit Christopher Guest for actually giving them the impetus to do these, these TV shows. So really, without Spinal Tap, we don't get any Ricky Gervais at all, really. So Even, it's, it's had an impact. Even the silly, silly things like the fact that BBC iPlayer, its volume goes up to 11. It's silly. <laughs> it's, it's things like that. It has just yeah, a massive true. reach that people probably just don't know. Like people probably go, people, you know, OCD people going, why the hell does BBC iPlayer go up to 11? But actually, <laughs> some Spinal Tap, it's just, it's, just, it's just excellent. Just excellent. Yeah, no, it really is. Right. Um, so a couple of honourable mentions before I get to my favourite. Pulp Fiction, I think, has probably got the best script writing of, of any film. South Park, the movie, ticks <laughs> a lot of boxes for me. It's animated, it's musical, it's funny, it's satirical, it's poignant. It pissed off a lot of people. Goodfellas has got some of the best camera work that you will ever see in any movie ever made. But the film I've watched more than any is Shaun of the Dead. And I know that you know, you pay know that this was coming, mm-hmm. but I, I adore Shaun of the Dead. It's it's funny. It's a little bit scary. It's a nerd like us, to be perfectly honest, who just seemed to have done well in his life. Everything fell in the right place. And now you look at someone like Simon Pegg and he's writing for Star Trek movies and everything. And this was the launching pad for his film career. I know you've got stuff like Space and that, which preceded it, which is a wonderful, wonderful sitcom. And I would thoroughly recommend that to anybody. But I think that you look at something like Shaun of the Dead and when that was released at that time, I would have given my right arm to have been a screenwriter, which would have been difficult because I'm right handed and I then wouldn't be able to actually write anything. (laughs) But it was just the dream. I wanted to be someone like Edgar Wright. And you see the, the body of work that he's now gone on to produce. None of that would have happened had it not been for Shaun of the Dead. It's such a heartwarming film and... And I'm not a particularly, I'm not someone who likes romance and that in my movies, but that central romance between between the two main characters, between Sean and and the lady whose name escapes me, Liz, Liz is wonderful. It's just that the fact that he risks life and limb to get into her apartment and then when he's climbing up and you think, oh shit, the zombies are going to get in there, but then you realise, oh, it's just Sean who's climbed up the outside of the wall to get to her. And then he realises... What the hell are we going to do now we're here? And after then escape and get into the car and drive off. And But it's just such a great cast as well. Lucy Davis is brilliant. Dylan Moran. I love Dylan Moran. Black Book's another show that I would recommend to anybody. Then, of course, you've got Simon Pegg, Nick Frost. Great. Yeah, Shaun of the Dead. I, I could wax lyrical about that film forever and a day. 
One thing I'd um, recommend to you about Shaun of the Dead, if you haven't already seen it, and it sounds like I try and bleed, uh, get, every, get blood from a stone from every DVD purchase I ever have, but the <laughs> um, the outtakes on Shaun of the Dead, if you've ever seen it on the DVD, are some of the funniest I've ever seen. So in the... Um, in the we're going to assume that everyone's seen Shaun of the Dead when I say this. Um, in the scene where um, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost are in the pub and he's trying to get over Liz... And they talk about the um, the old woman in the back, how she starred in the first ever interracial porno. <laughs> the yeah. way that he describes it, and they just can't stop laughing to each other, is so funny. And you, because you know it's not scripted, it's all ad lib. It's like each take is something different. It's just it's just a really excellent watch. And you're absolutely right. And some of the gags are from space make their way into Shaun of the Dead in a more polished way. And you know they're coming because you can see you can see if you're a fan of space. Yeah. It's a really really excellent film. I just wonder what have you seen Big Nothing with David Schwimmer? Yes. Um, at all? What did you think of that that outing? Because that was I saw that quite a bit after I saw Shaun of the Dead, and I wasn't sure what to make of it. Had Simon Pegg not have been in it, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't have given it the time of day. Really? Yeah, I, I I really like Simon Pegg. He's one of those actors that I will watch in pretty much anything. Yeah. Um, that's one of the lower points in his career for me. But that said, I, I don't think I've seen it since it was released, which was what, about 2008, maybe? 2006, 2006 even longer right, ago, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, it, it might be worth a revisit, but I remember at the time not particularly enjoying it. But I'm not a massive fan of David Schwimmer and and, and that whole stable of Friends actors, generally speaking. So yeah. that may have played Fair a part enough. in it. All three of them films need to be watched in one piece. Sure the, the whole corner, yeah, yeah, all three of them. Um, I don't, I don't think I've watched one just on its own anymore. It's, I've always watched all three of them in, in a row. Every time I've gone through a session of it, it's one of the easiest trilogies to watch. I mean, obviously we've we've all done weekends where we've just sat and watched the whole Star Wars trilogy or whatever. But for me, Shaun of the Dead is the Cornetto trilogy. Sorry, is probably the best trilogy ever made. I mean, that's, oh, that's, that's a, that's a, that's that's a, a big, big statement, but fuck it, I'm sticking by it. Ah, yeah. No, no one Lord of the Rings is around. Ugh. No. <laughs> well, this no, is... Not having that. This is, uh, is going to be a Patreon exclusive in about three months' time, I think, mate. <laughs> greatest trilogy ever made. Yeah, well, that, that is on the, on the list of things. Um, yeah, mine is... I actually, for the first time ever, when I, I thought about this, I thought it might actually go from the usual answer. And I thought the amount of times I've watched this film now, um, it's borderline. I was saying insane because a lot of people have watched it a lot of times. And Avengers Assemble or the Avengers, it's just you just t- turn it on and turn your mind off. You can just watch it any time of day, any time of year. You can watch it with kids. You can watch it with grandparents if you really want to. Um, you watch it with babies in the cinema if you want. Um, it's just one of them films where you can just just enjoy everything about it. And I think the build-up to it in the films that came before, there's nothing really been anything like that at the time. And maybe even, well, you've got the DC ones now, but not the same. Not with a, a, an actual coherent plan to a film and then to spike on from there and the 22, 23 films that came all together. But I absolutely love The Avengers. Um, but... It's still not as good as Die Hard. <laughs> I would agree. Die Hard, Die Hard, Christmas film or not, it's one of them. Every I must have watched it every year since I was about eight years old, eight nine years old when he came out. When he first came out on video, and 
it's just one of them things where every single person in that, I could probably say from start to finish the whole script, you know, Hans Gruber, etc., etc. But <laughs> ha ha ha, machine gun and all. It's just quotable. There's T-shirts. There's everything about it, and I just love it so much. I mean, last year was the first time I didn't watch it at Christmas. So I thought I'm going to see if I can do it to myself and not watch it for a whole year. And it got to about I think it was about Christmas Eve. I thought there's still time. I've got to do it. But I, I kept to, I kept to my guns, and I actually regretted it. And I'm now I'm looking forward to this Christmas when I can watch it again. But it's it's one of those films that I think you can watch any time of year. It's it's just brilliant. I remember having a uh, before I'd actually seen the film. I had remember when um, PlayStation magazine would give you a demo disc of different games. <laughs> yeah, I had like it was like it was like a version of Time Crisis. Where it was like a shooter that you could hide away and use a light gun. Um, but it was a die-hard game, and I thought, "Oh, this looks all right." Then realised there was a film on it, and oh wow, this opened this opened everything up. And yeah, that was my first experience of Die Hard. Um, and the Avengers, when you say the Avengers, yeah, I remember when that came out, the, the very first of the actual Avengers films, thinking, "This is big, this is huge. Is all of these characters are coming together in one film? This is going to be amazing." Um, being a massive fan of the Incredible Hulk was, and anything to kind of redeem itself from some of the past iterations of it i was just really looking forward to it yeah great films to be fair yeah i mean i think with avengers i mean i'm a i collect comic books it's mostly dc comic books granted but as someone who is quite heavily invested in the comic book world to finally see a, a group like the avengers to come to the screen was incredibly it's such a massive massive moment that we'd never really had before. We'd had films, like you say, we'd had Your Incredible Hulks and X-Men, and you had these little bits here and there, but it was the first time that it was like watching, reading a comic book, but on the big screen. It was literally that it was all interwoven, it was one, and it was it was magnificent. And it, don't get me wrong, I it wouldn't be my favourite film of the, the MCU, but it's such a pivotal moment in cinema history. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah I'd agree yeah. with that. That's that's what I went for. I mean, it's now Winter Soldier, which is obviously better, um, better than a lot of actual films, rather than let alone comic films. Mm. Um, but I think just because of what he did to everyone, um, to film in general, just fit, like you said, it hadn't been done before, and I think people expected it to work like that, like it did. No, um, it was just wonderful. But yeah, that game you was on about, Matt, that's Die Hard Two. It was oh, okay. um, it was Die Hard Trilogy. The, mm-hmm. the first one was like um, based on the first film was a top down kind of like um, well, a bit like Metal Gear Solid view. Yes, I, like yeah, top, yeah. top down with it, but the, all the areas were black around the edge because it couldn't render things properly. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And I think the third one was a driving game with a cab in New York. Oh, okay. If we, I think you could probably get it on uh, good old games on PC yeah, yeah, yeah. that trilogy, but it was it was a decent game that was. Of memories. As a one for another pod, best film to game uh, adaptation or vice versa. <laughs> yeah, I've got that on the list of future questions. Yeah. Of course you have. Of course I have, because I'm a geek. We've established that already. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we'll move on to the fourth question then, which is going to be mine. Last weekend, I sat and I watched a documentary called RBG and a film called On the Basis of Sex, which is... it's. Both films were about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who is on the American Supreme Court. So I was wondering, talk to me about the best 
biographical films or autobiographical films. Stu, do you want to kick us off? Um, it was some. I kind of took a bit of liberty with it, um, as usual. Um, but he's already been mentioned once, strange enough, Nicky Lauder in uh, Rush. Yeah, mainly because I'm a massive F1 fan, and I've seen Nicky Lauder around the paddock and being on telly pretty much every every other weekend. Um, obviously, he's a much older man, but how that character was, con- he got his essence of his character absolutely spot on. Um, both of them, to be fair, they were both really good. Um, but when was that made? It was about three years ago, something like that. Yeah, it was a couple yeah. of three years yeah. back. Yeah. yeah, should have checked this first. Really, should I? <laughs> <laughs> it was twenty first. 2013. Yeah, it was a while ago now, yeah. Was Nicky Lauder the one played by Thor? No, it was the, um, that was the other one. Daniel Brühl, the one who got burned. Right, okay. Yeah, James Hunt was played uh, incredibly well by um, Chris Hemsworth, considering his, his accent was almost almost perfect as well. Which... He is the best Hemsworth, though. So... Of course. Yeah. That's not even, a, that's not even, a, you can't have that as a question because that's not even a question. No, because we know that Chris is the best Hemsworth. Yeah, it's like me and Mark, who, who's the best brother. <laughs> I'm sure he might have a different answer to that. Yeah, when he listens to this, well, he said he was going to bed early tonight, so he'll listen to this tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think it, it was the um, the rivalry in the 70s between James Hunt and Nicky Lauder. Um, it was just, but it got Nicky Lauder absolutely spot on. Um, so uh, I know the film's not completely about him, but his portrayal of Nicky Lauder was superb, and I can't think of a better one. Now I thought you were going to go with uh, Ford versus Ferrari or Le Mans '66. I thought that was going to be your pick. Well, look, they're that all good. A good film. They are all good, but from that point of view, from just nailing someone absolutely mm. spot on, it had to be Rush. That's fair. Matt, what do you think? Uh, for me. Again, it's a little bit of a liberty, really, because it it is a biopic of sorts. Um, Tom Hardy's portrayal of Bronson, um, oh, I yeah. really, yeah. really enjoyed. Now, Bronson, um, career criminal, um, very much wants to be famous. And his portrayal in the film, from what I understand, is obviously a very sensationalised version of some of the real events that had happened. But on the crux of... The, kind of the topic of the film um i think it's portrayed really really well by tom hardy he gets across a real range of emotions about a real sensitive man that has these really complex feelings and then will rub himself up and down in greece and butter to fight prison guards do you know what i mean this mm-hmm. uh, a man who builds the trust of other people will, will then hold them hostage uh, a man who paints um you know abstract pictures and and does poetry but will do these incredibly violent and, and sadistic acts and i think it's just a really um you know it breaks the fourth wall in parts as well um it doesn't take itself too seriously but i think it's a really good account of one of britain's more famous and and influential prisoners uh, and i recommend it to anybody that hasn't seen it in case it's been a bit of a sleeper for people uh, i was gonna say on that have you ever seen chopper yes yep seen chopper great yeah, I've mentioned this to you before, and it um, Eric Banner mm-hmm. is Mark Chopper Reed when he wrote his autobiography in prison. Um, that's another one, and uh, from a criminal point of view, it's just excellent. A little sidebar: I very, I was this close to having my beard into a Chopper 
uh, shaving like the middle of it off, but then having the goatee wrapped around until I was talked <laughs> nice. out of it one time. And that would have truly been uh, a social media blackout where no pictures would have survived the light of day. But there we go. Do like it. Yeah, it's nice to have a nice bit of like mutton chops and stuff. I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, exactly. I really like Tom Hardy. I think that's a really good, um, really good call. Tom Hardy's one of those actors. He's almost like the modern day De Niro. Mm-hmm. He's someone you you put him in a film and you know you're going to get just the absolute best out of him. He really throws himself into any role he does. He he's superb. I haven't seen his latest one, which is Capone. No, plays. No, but yep. I've heard very good things about his portrayal in that. So um, that one's on the list. Just haven't got round to that one yet. Have you seen Venom? I, I have seen Venom. Yes, he's good in it. Um, the film's okay. He's the best part of the he, film. He's great, though. Yeah, very much so. It's it's um without him, I think it would have died a death. Yeah, he, he very much carried that film through for me. My pick. I've just got a couple more honourable mentions. Dolomite is my name. <laughs> I really liked Teddy Murphy when I was growing up. I thought he was a brilliant actor. Then he went through this barren spell of just doing cack, to be perfectly honest. But last year, Dolomite is my name. I watched that and I thought, this is as good as anything you've done for over a decade almost. You know, it was brilliant. A, a high watermark for Eddie Murphy, I thought, that film. So that one's a, a honourable mention. Fighting with my family. Love Florence Pugh. She's brilliant. You don't need to be a fan of wrestling to love it. It's a story of an underdog fighting against the system and, and coming through pretty much. Plus, Lean Head is brilliant in it, and so is Nick Frost. Probably one of his best performances. Walk the Line and Ray, a couple of great musical biopics. But for me, the one film that's left an indelible mark was, uh, it was out a couple of years ago now, and it's the story of Ron Stallworth. Uh, he's the man who infiltrated the KKK, uh, oh, it's the film is The Black Klansman. I really like all Spike Lee stuff anyway. I've recently rewatched um Do the Right Thing. So I went on a bit of a kick of watching all Spike Lee and yeah, rewatched Black Klansman again. It's a great film and it's it probably has never been as poignant as it is now, <laughs> that story. Mm-hmm. Um and I mean I think that um Adam Driver obviously plays the, the one of the characters in it. Adam Driver is a a real superstar at the minute. He's another one who was up there with Tom Hardy of the modern day greats for me. But John David Washington, who plays Ron Stallworth, superb. I genuinely think he's going to be one of the breakout stars over the next five years and you will see him in anything and everything. So yeah, Black Klansman, I would go out of your way to watch it. So it's about Ron Stallworth, who just out of the blue decides to try and call the Ku Klux Klan to see if he can join up. Um, they accept him in because it's done over the phone. They don't realise that he's a black man. Uh, and then that's where Adam Driver comes in and he has to go and pretend to be Ron Stallworth with with the KKK. And it's all out unfolds. But the ending, the, like the last five minutes of that film are truly devastating. And that's when it becomes the real world, the, the modern day things that have happened. Um, it really hits home. So for me, that's the one biopic that, left a mark on me and that was incredible because i watched that and thinking that it was a kind of a bit of a dark comedy which in part it is yeah i never expected that how that how it ended to just happen it just it, like you said it just just hits you you don't it's you don't expect it punches in it it's yeah well, i never i never considered that film whatsoever but i'm glad you put it on because it is just 
regardless of what genre or topic we're talking about, it really is a great film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you're going to say something, Matt, sorry. <laughs> well, I thought, well, she's kind of answered my question there, really. I've, I've not seen the film, um, uh, unbelievably, but uh, excuse the pun, I wondered if, if it was a black comedy, was it a, you know, is it a, <laughs> is it a, um, is it humorous in parts or is it a more serious um, piece? But you kind of already answered the question, really. Um, and I, again, I'm seen. I'm, I'm guessing. I'm um, guessing the ending off the top of my head, anyway. But uh, I think I'll, I'll definitely go on the list as one to watch in the next week or so because um, it's something that was on my radar for for whatever reason. I never got around to watching it. Yeah, I mean, with it, with it being Spike Lee, Spike Lee knows how to get things that are quite depressing, but then just put that little bit of comedy in there just yeah. to lift it a little bit. And it's not it's not riotously funny because obviously the subject matter wouldn't allow for that. You almost laugh at the absurdity of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. And plus the fact that he won the Oscar off the back of it, I just and his Oscar speeches, you could just see how delighted he was to have finally got the Oscar. It was it was great yeah. to see. Really, one of the the highlights of that year's award ceremony for me actually was Spike Lee. He was awesome. That's it for our first episode. Truly, thank you for joining us. You can also find us on Twitter. We're available at CageFightingPod. And if you've got any questions you'd like our team to answer on future episodes of the Question Cast, please drop us an email. You can find us at CageFightingPod at gmail.com. So that's week one in the bag. Thank you again for joining us. Join us next week, which will be our first Picture Pod episode. We'll be doing a dive into the world of National Treasure and National Treasure Book of Secrets. So, Matthew, say goodbye. Take it easy, guys. Thanks for listening. Stuart, say goodbye. Catch you on the next one. And it's goodbye from me. And don't forget, be excellent to each other.